Welcome to Mariner's Church Online. This has been a crazy week. And so as we begin our service, we're gonna do what Christians have done for centuries. We're gonna sing. Because when we sing, by God's grace, we're gonna take our eyes off of the chaos and the craziness that is surrounding us, and we're gonna put our eyes on Christ. And so my prayer for you today, as you're watching online, is that you will be encouraged, not only by the singing, but we're gonna spend time together in prayer. We're gonna study the scripture together and we're gonna allow Jesus to encourage us with his grace today. And so you join in with us. You sing, you pray, you study the scripture and by God's grace, he will encourage your heart in this moment. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for allowing us to gather before you and in your name. And as we sing songs to you, as we pray to you, as we study the scripture, I pray that you would encourage your people in the middle of a dark time. We believe that you are the light of the world and will you remind us today that you have shown your light into our hearts and that we are now your sons and your daughters and that you are caring for us in the middle of the chaos. In your name I pray, amen. Let's sing together. Let 
For every one of us, our lives today look so much different than they did two weeks ago. 
But what I want you to know, Mariners, is that though our lives look different today, the teachings of Jesus, our God, has not changed. And so what we still believe as a church is that Jesus is calling us to follow him. He's still changing the world. And so as a church, we can follow him to love our neighbor, even if that neighbor is that person sitting next to us on the couch. We still believe that our God is saying that he will heal us. And so right now, if you feel that anxiousness, if you feel that fear, you can cry out to him. One of the greatest prayers you can offer right now is help. No, your God hears you. Your church is here for you. Our situations and circumstances may change, but our God does not change. So good. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you because we really have nowhere else to go. You are loving and you promise to never leave us, that you are a God who is a strong tower, a mighty fortress. You are the one safe place that we can run to in difficult times. The truth is, is that we tried to run to other things. We tried to run to money, to success, to relationships, to other things, and all of them have proven to be weak and small and they have fallen and they can't hold us. But we are grateful that every day you give us reminders that you're a God who's in control. We see the sun rise. We feel the warmth of the sun. We see the rain. All of these things that remind us every day that you're a good God, a loving God, that your mercies are new every morning. And so we need you. We need your peace and we need your love because your love is perfect. And you have told us that perfect love casts out fear. And we live with confusion and uncertainty. And so God, would you bring your peace? And God, we need you to heal. And we love that you have given to us spiritual healing through Jesus Christ. But today we need physical healing. We face a global pandemic and we need you to touch and to heal. While these problems are great, none of them are greater than you. And so God, we ask that you would do what only you can do. And so God, while we are staying in our homes, we are more mindful than ever of the relationships that we need. And so God, would you give us creative ways to reach out? We are called to be salt and to bring out the God flavors in this world, to be light and to show your love and kindness to the world. God, give us ways to be salt and light that are appropriate in this time. Give us eyes to see what you are doing in this world so that we can join you in it. And God, we cry out. We cry out for our healthcare workers that you would protect them. We pray for parents who not only have to be parents, but now they have to be educators and they have to work at home. They are overwhelmed. God, would you give them the strength that they need? For those who are elderly and high risk, God, would you be with them? They feel so alone and so forgotten. Only you can meet the needs that they have. And God, we come to you because you are a loving and compassionate God. And only you have the words of life that we need. And so God, we rest in you. We come to you and we say, save us. God, would you deliver us? Would you rescue us? We pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen.
so good to remind ourselves that's true, that He is good and He's never going to let us down. And we need to be reminded of that in moments like this that seem so crazy and so chaotic. We are in the middle of this global crisis and it is overwhelming and it is fearful and worrisome. And many of us, we find ourselves sad in these moments. And we're going to look at a psalm together today where we're going to see we're not the only ones who've experienced these heavy moments and these moments that cause us to be sad. So before we study the scripture, let's pray that God would open our hearts and our minds to his word. Jesus, please use your word today to encourage us and to challenge us and to minister to us right where we are. In your name I pray, amen. Historians and those who study culture say that there's five moments in our country's history that have really shaped the entire future of our country, that these were major moments that changed and altered the whole trajectory. And so the five moments that some historians are pointing to would be World War I, the flu of 1918, World War II, 9-11, and then now the coronavirus. And so this is a big moment. And so kids, if you're watching this from home, I mean, this is the moment you're gonna tell your kids about. This is unprecedented. And that's why many of us are overwhelmed and we feel sad and confused and we're afraid and we're worried. It is a common emotion to feel in these moments. And this moment, the coronavirus moment, is, is even different from moments that some of us have lived through. I mean, some of us remember the moments after September 11th, 2001, and we grieved as a country. It was so sad and so traumatic. But September 11th, 2001 was a moment that happened, and then we were looking backward at that moment. We, we knew what took place, and we were dealing with a new reality, and we were grieving and struggling, but we were looking backward. And what makes this moment so challenging for many of us is that we're not looking backward at a moment, we're, we're looking forward at a moment. We're not even sure what this is going to be, what the impact's gonna be on us. And, and so we're constantly watching the news and hearing things hit our stream. And so it can really cause our anxiety and our stress and our worry and our fear to rise. And so we are in a very, very challenging moment. And we're gonna see that we're not the only ones who have wrestled with moments like this. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to look with me in Psalm 42. And we're gonna see the psalmist is in a moment where he has a lot of causes to be sad. And then we're gonna see the cure for his sadness. So there's a lot of reasons for us to be sad, but we're also gonna see the cure for our sadness. 
And so the psalmist actually says this about himself in verse six. And this is going to sound like some of us today. The psalmist says in verse six, I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon. So the psalmist says, I'm deeply depressed. He's in a land far from his home. So he's really quarantined. He's isolated from the people that he enjoys fellowship with. He, he can't gather together in worship in Jerusalem. He's in another land. He's in the land of Hermon. He's in the peaks over there. And he is overwhelmed with sadness. In fact, he's so overwhelmed with sadness that he says, I am depressed. Now I want you to know that God does not ask you to fix yourself up before you come to him. In fact, the, one of the reasons I love the Psalms, and we're going to spend several weeks studying Psalms just like this, is we see these very honest prayers to God and God not being upset with his people when we come to him in our struggle, when we come to him with our sadness or our anxiety or our depression, that God does not push us away when we approach him with our emotions, when we approach him feeling this way. He doesn't say, go fix yourself up and then come back to me when everything's right in your life. Not at all. God loves for us to come to him. He longs for us to come to him, even in these moments when we feel overwhelmed and sad, even depressed, like the psalmist says. The psalmist is a feeler. And this psalm that we're about to read is a, a psalm that feels, when you're going to feel the weight of this psalm when you press into it. Some have said that humanity really is filled with thinkers and feelers, that some of us um, process first through thinking about the situation, and some of us process first by feeling our way through the situation. Now, both of us, both groups of people both think and feel, but what's our first inclination? Is it to think our way through a situation or to feel our way through a situation? And we need both. I mean, we need thinkers in our lives and feelers in our lives. And many of the musicians that I am friends with and the artists that I've known, many of them are are feelers and they help us feel the weight of situations. They help us understand our own emotions. They help us understand our own feelings. And this psalmist is a feeler and he's gonna talk about his feelings of sadness and why he feels so sad and depressed and down in this moment, why he is so downcast. And, and I believe that you're gonna be able to relate to this. And I am able to relate to this as well. Even though I'm more of the thinker than the feeler, it's good for me to look at a feeling psalm and understand the weight of the emotions that I'm carrying that maybe I struggle sometimes to even express. And so let's see why he is so sad. And then we're going to see the cure for his sadness. So verse one, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? So the psalmist is far away from where he typically worships. He worships in Jerusalem, but he's in the hills somewhere else. And he says, when, when is this over? When is the quarantine gonna be done? When am I no longer gonna be isolated? When can I come back together with people and worship God? When is this going to be done? And some of you feel exactly that way today as you're watching this. I mean, you're grateful. I'm grateful that we can connect with each other online and we can have a moment like we're having now where we study the scripture and sing songs. But I mean, we miss, we miss gathering. Many of you emailed me this week and you miss this so much. And I feel the weight of this psalm. I, I've read this psalm since being a Christian. I've read this psalm so many times, but I feel this psalm now more than I've ever felt this psalm before. Because I miss, I miss being able to be together and to hear you sing and to see you and shake hands in the patio and be together. I feel the weight of this moment. He feels separated from people and perhaps that's exactly how you feel. This week, I thought about it. I miss many of your, I miss your bad singing. Now, now, some of you are great singers, but a lot of you are like me. I am not a great singer. I have historically been referred to as a very bad singer and I miss hearing bad singing. Hang with me, here's why. There was a friend of mine one time at church who told me, I love to hear you sing, Eric. I love it when you sing loud at church. And I said, Tony, why? Why is it that you, because I'm not a good singer, why do you love to hear me sing? 
And he said, because when I hear you sing badly and you don't even care and you're just celebrating God, it makes me feel like I can go be bold for God. Because if you can be bold and sing, even though you sing badly at church, then I can go be bold and do things that I don't think I should do. Kind of interesting way to think about it. But that's why we, we miss that. We miss the moment when we even hear bad singing because we're surrounded by people and we're reminded that we're in community. This psalmist misses that. He feels, he feels separated. When is this going to end? When can I go back to the temple, he's asking. When is the isolation going to be over? And he is praying to God. When can I come before you with other people? I want this moment to end and perhaps that's how you feel now. I mean, one weekend, and when, God, <clears throat> when is this going to be over? I, fe I feel that, I feel the weight of this as well. That's not the only reason he's sad, though. Look at the next set of verses, verse three. <clears throat> he says, my tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? Some people, when they're stressed, they stress eat. When they're overwhelmed, they eat more. Other people, when they're overwhelmed, they lose their appetite. The psalmist is one who loses his appetite. He says, all that I've been eating is my tears. I'm so overwhelmed with sadness that I don't even hunger for food right now. I want God, I'm hungry after God, but all I'm physically eating, he says, is my tears, both day and night, which means he's not sleeping. So he's not eating. He's not sleeping and he is eating, he says, his tears both day and night. And nighttime is often for us. It's the worst. When we're overwhelmed with thoughts of anxiety, when we're overwhelmed with thoughts that are, are weighty and, and um, dark. I know even personally, nighttime is the worst and he's saying, I can't sleep because it, as I sleep, I think of all of these things and all of these thoughts are entering my mind. I'm sad because I can't gather and I'm sad because I'm just overwhelmed with this situation. And then he says this, people are, are poking fun at me and saying, where is your God? Where is your God? And maybe that's how you feel. Or maybe you have some friends who have said, hey, you're a Christian. Where is your God in this? Why doesn't your God stop this? Why doesn't your God fix this? And, and maybe you've felt that way. Listen, the psalmist felt that way. All of the people who were saying, where is your God in this actually got to him. And maybe it's getting to you as well. I mean, he, he's feeling the weight of this. Now, he knows in his mind that God is good. He knows it, but things don't feel so good right now. I mean, here's what we know. This is what we know in our minds, but oftentimes we don't feel this. We know that God created this perfect world and everything was good and everything was perfect and at peace. But when sin entered the world, then everything was disrupted. And so theologians will say of sin entering the world that we now have a fallen creation and we're surrounded by fallen people, people who are not perfect in a world that's not perfect. And in a world that's not perfect, we have natural disasters and we have diseases and we have a coronavirus. That's just the result of living in a world that's not perfect. When I would explain this to my daughters when they were really young, I would say a fallen world has both fallen people and fallen creation or both bullies and bugs. We have both in the world that we're in and we still believe God is good and he loves us and we just live in a world where these disasters happen. We know that here, but in moments like this, in moments like this, we can feel like, God, where are you? Where are you? Even though we know because we studied the scripture and we've seen him be faithful before and we've seen him be good before. In these moments, it's okay if you admit it. The psalmist says, God, all the people are saying, where are you? And it is really making me sad. He says another reason for his sadness. By the way, it's going to get encouraging in a moment because you're going to see the cure for his sadness. But he's just being honest about how overwhelmed he is in this moment. He says in verse four, I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. So he has memories of better days. He has memories of better days. In a moment like this, sometimes the memories of better days in the past, they're like a double-edged sword. 
we love the great memories of the past, but they, they also are a bit painful because those memories remind us that the situation we're in now isn't as good as what it was in the past. And so the good memory for the psalmist is this double-edged sword. He's grateful for the good memory, but he's also sad that his current reality isn't as good as it, what it used to be. So he's filled with sadness. That's the causes. And this is exactly the moment we're in right now, right? We can't gather together, verse one and two. We have people who are saying, where is your God? And it's perhaps getting to us, verse three. And verse four, we have memories that are better than our current situation. We are exactly in the moment the psalmist is in, but now the psalm is gonna turn. And in verse five, we're gonna see the cure for the sadness. We're gonna see the cure. You know, there's often false cures that people run to, false cures. Um, and you'll, you've probably run to some false cures, some false cures in your life. Uh, I've, I've, run, I've run to many. When I was a little kid, I was told that uh, to get into um, the space program, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was in third grade. And to get in the space program, you needed to have perfect eyesight, 2020 eyesight. And my eyesight was not that. And people said, if you'll eat carrots, if you'll eat a bunch of carrots, they will improve your eyesight. It's not true. Now, carrots are good and they're healthy, but they don't improve your eyesight. It's a false cure. Uh, another false cure. When Kay and I were on vacation one time, I got stung by a jellyfish. And she told me, as well as other people told me, that if you'll um, pee on the sting, if you will pee on the sting, that you're, uh, the, the sting will go away. And I want to confess that is not true. It, it is funny to uh, tell your friends to pee on the jellyfish sting, but it is not going to cure. That's a false cure. And there's some false cures for your sadness too. There's false cures for your sadness. You've heard some of the false cures and you've run after some of the false cures as have I, and they, they, haven't, they haven't cured our sadness. Um, a new job doesn't cure sadness. Another relationship doesn't cure the sadness. A possession, getting something new, doesn't cure our sadness. What false cures have you run to? Where have you run to overcome the sadness that perhaps you're experiencing? We all want to fight the sadness in our life, but there's false cures that we're invited to try and, and we know the longer we live that they don't really cure our sadness. And so where does the psalmist go for the cure? And this is really, this is my favorite part of the psalm. And this is going to be helpful. Press into this. He is not saying the sad situation is gone. He's not just saying, get over it. But he gives a very profound response to his sadness. Verse five. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you put in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my savior and my God. Here's what he does. Check this, this is so important. He stops listening to himself and he starts talking to himself. He stops listening to himself and he starts talking to himself. There is a lot of news to listen to in this moment. And there's a line we cross from staying informed to then being consumed by the news in a trial that we find ourselves in. And just over the last week, I've even learned this in my own heart. I am much healthier emotionally. I am much healthier spiritually. If I say to myself, okay, I'm gonna stay informed once a day or twice a day, and I'll do some reading on the coronavirus then, as opposed to when it first happened in every 15 minutes, I was reading some new story and I was completely overwhelmed. It is much better if instead of listening to ourselves, we talk to ourselves. That's what the psalmist does. Listen to what he says to himself. He starts talking to his soul. Instead of listening to his soul, talk to him. He says, why my soul are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? And he tells his soul, he bosses his soul around. He says, soul, put your hope in God. I will still praise him, my savior and my God. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a doctor who shocked the medical industry or the medical profession when he left medicine and became a pastor. And he wrote many books. He's one of my favorite uh, pastors of old to read and listen to. He was the pastor at Westminster Chapel in London. And he wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. 
And we're talking about a psalm where the psalmist says, I am overwhelmed, I'm sad, and I'm depressed. And Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones, wrote this book, and it's his most famous book. And it's so profound. And in it, he writes this about not listening to ourselves, but talking to ourselves. It's a long quote, but I want you to see it. This is what Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote. The main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you were listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? The main art in spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself, which is exactly what the psalmist does. He looks at his own soul and he says, soul, why are you so downcast? We have reason to be hopeful. We have reason to be joyful. And he tells his soul, soul, put your hope in God. So I want to challenge you to preach to yourself. And so what, what should you preach to yourself? Well, three things based on this verse, three things that I want you to say. He says in the verse, put your hope in God. I will still praise him, my savior and my God. That's what he preaches to his own soul. So number one, you preach to yourself, you tell your soul, put your hope in God. In moments where you feel anxious, in moments where you feel sad and depressed, in moments which is so common in a situation like we're in now, where we feel so overwhelmed in these moments, you tell your soul, soul, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. You don't have to live with the pressure of putting your hope in something else because anything else you put your hope in will fail you. If you put your hope in the market, the market will rise and fall. If you put your hope in a job, the job will come and go. If you put your hope in relationships, those relationships will change. You don't have to live with the burden and the pressure of putting your hope in things that come and go. And so put your hope, the psalmist says, put your hope in God. He's the sure place. He can handle you coming to him, even in your sadness, even in your depression, even in your anxiety. You run to him and you put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. When we put our hope in God, we find that we are still going to be going up a hill, that we are still going to be struggling in this moment. But Christ, who is the hope of glory, has moved into our lives. And so we put our trust in this God who loves us. We put our hope in him. I thought about this recently as I was mountain biking and I I took a phone out with a friend and shot this video to help us understand why we can put our hope in him. So take a look at this video from the mountain biking trails. Crystal Cove State Park is my favorite place in the entire world. I absolutely love it here. I love biking these trails. I love enjoying God's creation. And one thing that has happened more and more in recent months is I'm getting passed by guys on e-bikes. An e-bike is an electronic bike. It's a bike with a battery. And so I'll be huffing and puffing up a hill. I mean, just trying to get to the top. And somebody who's out without breaking a sweat just zooms right past me. Now, I'm not cracking on you if you have an e-bike. I mean, not everyone who has an e-bike is out of shape. But it does seem like a lot of the guys who pass me and electronic bikes are out of shape. And these guys, without their own energy and without their own might, they are just able to zoom past me because they're not relying on their own power, they have power from another source. Just two weeks ago, I was coming up the other side of that hill to Fence Line, a trail right here, and this guy zoomed past me on an e-bike, and I was huffing and puffing trying to get to the top, and he looked at me, and it, it felt like he was kind of talking smack, like he had passed me, and so I said under my breath, of course that hill looks different, bro, you got a battery. And as I said that under my breath, I remembered that really as a Christian, This is exactly what I have. I have a battery. I have more than a battery. The Holy Spirit of God has moved into my life and the hill looks different for me now. And as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God who has moved into your life. And yes, we still have hills and we still have challenges and we have a lot of things in front of us that are rough, but we don't face these hills alone. We don't face these challenges in our own strength and our own power. We have the hope of glory, 
God himself has moved into our lives. And so we go up these hills with his strength and with his power. We have a battery. If you are a Christian, hope has moved in. The God of the universe, the King of Kings has moved in. Just two weeks ago here at Mariners, I met a guy who just became a Christian in one of our rooted groups. And he's such a great guy. I love the conversation. And he came up to me and he said, I just became a Christian, I'm a new Christian. And it feels like, he actually used the word battery. It feels like I have a battery now. It feels like I'm fully charged now. And the battery may get dim at times and in moments of trial, it may feel a bit dim, but you have God now. You have God who is walking with you in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this pain. So put your hope in God, the psalmist says. Number two, he tells his soul, praise him still. Yes, things are crazy and I don't understand everything that's happening, but praise him still. The biggest crisis in my faith, both intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, the biggest crisis for me happened in 2004. And it was after the tsunami hit Sri Lanka and other places and 230,000 people died. It was devastating. It was devastating to the world and it, it, deeply, impacted, it deeply impacted me. I remember wrestling with, for months with God on this because I was like, God, this is what I believe and I, and, I, and I teach this. I teach and I believe that you love people, that you love people. And you know, if you're at Mariners, I mean, I preach the love and the grace of Jesus. I believe the love and the grace of Jesus. And so when the tsunami hits and 200,000, 230,000 people die, God, I believe that you love people. I believe that, but I also believe that you're powerful that you could have stopped the tsunami, that you boss the wind and the waves around, that everything is gonna one day bow before you, God. I believe you're powerful and I believe you're loving. Then why does this happen? For months, for months I went to the Lord with that and I struggled and I wrestled intellectually, I wrestled emotionally and maybe that's how you feel right now. God, I believe you're loving I believe you're powerful, then why don't you stop this? Why don't you stop the coronavirus? For months, I prayed, I read. I, again, I'm a thinker, so I tried to think my way through this. I tried to reason my way through it. And after months, I got to this conclusion. I could not figure it out. I couldn't trace God's paths. I couldn't understand why he didn't stop it. But yet I still believe that he is both powerful and loving. And I finally concluded, it took me months to get here, but I finally concluded that a God who I could figure out, a God whose path I could trace, a God whose steps I could predict would be a God too small for me, a God too small to save me a God too insufficient to satisfy my soul, a God too inconsequential to be the king of the universe, that I have a God who, yes, is both loving and powerful, and I will still praise him even when I don't understand. And listen, some of you are going through such a rough time now, not only with fear of the coronavirus, but your job has been impacted, your business has been impacted, you are overwhelmed with emotions on how to get through this moment. And you've gone to God and you're asking the deep question, the deep question that people were asking the psalmist, where is your God in this? You've gone and you've asked that. And this is what we find in the scripture. Oftentimes when we approach him and we ask the why question, he doesn't show up with an answer but he always shows up with himself. He doesn't always give us an answer. He didn't give me an answer in my wrestling, but he gave me himself. And he, he is who we ultimately need. He is who your soul longs for. He is who your soul needs. He doesn't always give us an answer in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the struggle. But when we come to him, he always shows up with himself and he is who you ultimately need. 15 years ago is when the tsunami happened and at, in 2004. And then right after I moved here to Mariners, I met 
our church partner in Sri Lanka, Pastor Adrian. And Pastor Adrian is a man that I respect and I've enjoyed connecting with. He and I have a connection. And one day sitting down over coffee, I told Pastor Adrian when he was here visiting, I told him about the biggest struggle in my life as a Christian, the biggest mental, I can't figure it out struggle. I told him, I said, it was when the tsunami in 2004 hit where you were and I didn't even know you. And, and I started talking to him about the pain of that moment. And he told me this, this is 15 years after my crisis, 15 years after my struggle. Pastor Adrian says to me, and this is coming from someone who served in Sri Lanka in the middle of the devastation. He says to me, Eric, looking back now, we see the hand of God. We see the goodness and the graciousness of God because that crisis, that storm caused so many people to be open to the goodness of Jesus. It caused so many people to be open to the gospel and to the love of God, which we know, he's telling me, which we know is ultimately what we need. It took 15 years for me to hear from somebody why God was doing everything he did or why he didn't move like I wanted him to move 15 years. But God is still loving and he's still powerful. He may not answer your questions, but he'll bring himself to you and he's what you need. So number one, put your hope in God. Number two, praise him still, still. In, in the middle of the chaos, when things don't make sense, you tell your soul, we're gonna sing, we're gonna worship, we're gonna praise him still, even when I can't trace the steps of God, and I'm glad I can't trace the steps of God because I want a God who's bigger than my understanding. I want a God who is beyond my comprehension, and I am going to praise him still. And then number three, you praise him still because he is your savior. We praise him because he's our savior. The psalmist was completely abandoned or he felt like he was abandoned. He was completely overwhelmed and he felt forsaken by God. God, why, why is this happening? But the psalmist isn't the only one who prayed a prayer like that. Jesus, when he stepped into this world to rescue us from our sin and to give us an everlasting relationship with God, when he placed himself on the cross, he yelled out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, as he was dying for you on the cross, felt the weight of feeling forsaken. Listen, so you would not be forsaken. So that in moments like this, you would know that you have a God who is with you. Jesus felt the sting of being abandoned. So you would not be abandoned so that you would know that your God is for you and with you in the middle of the crisis. That you have a God who, yes, is bigger than our comprehension, but you also have a God. You also have a God who is close, who will never leave you or forsake you. And while the road is bumpy, he holds you. And while the road is uncertain, he is certain. And so you preach to your soul the good news of Jesus. You remind your soul, my sins have been forgiven. My God has moved in. I have an everlasting home in heaven. I have peace and joy because Christ is my king. You preach the good news of Jesus to your soul. And you remind yourself, that you have a savior who loves you in the middle of it all. Why are you downcast? So why? Put your hope in God. Still praise him for he is our savior and our God. Jaya Packer wrote a classic book called Knowing God. It's, it's still known as one of the most classic works in the Christian faith. And in his chapter on adoption, you being adopted as his daughter, you being adopted as his son, 
He writes that this is the most profound truth that we must preach to ourselves over and over again. He says, actually, write this down and put it on a note card and read it before you get on the bus in the morning. Read it when you wake up. Read it when you go to bed at night. Preach to yourself these truths. Tell your soul this is who you are. And so we have as a download for you the things that J.I. Packer suggests that we preach to ourselves. And you can share this on your, um, your phone. You can put it on your desktop. You can print it and put it on your mirror. But I want to read these things to you. Preach the good news to your soul. Here they are. Number one, I'm a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother and every Christian is my brother or sister. You have a savior who loves you. Preach the good news of Jesus to your soul over and over again. I hope and pray as you download this that it will be helpful to you. We're gonna sing a song now and remind ourselves that he is our savior. And after this song, I want you to stay tapped in because Kenton B. Shore, my good friend, our pastor emeritus. He's going to come pray a prayer of blessing over us as we close. Let's sing together.
so glad that you've joined us today in this service. And we're glad and amazed at how many of you joined. We had more people uh, watch online last week than normally come to church. And not only that, in the children's ministry, had more kids get online and then in the youth ministry. And so we are so glad that you are connecting with us in this way because we need church. We need God's word. We need to be connected in this way. And we want to connect with you. And so if you have any needs for prayer, there's a prayer hotline that you can connect uh, and see how you can do that. And then also, as you're watching online, it's easy to give. You can just go right online and see how you can connect and give that way. Because God promises in 2 Corinthians 9, it's amazing when the church was facing a very challenging time. God said, I'm going to provide everything that you need. And not only that, I'm going to give you more than you need so that you can be generous in every occasion. And in that way, people who have needs can have those needs met. So God is going to meet the needs of the poor, the needy, the marginalized in this time through us and our generosity. And so we're so grateful that you continue to be generous. So hold out your hands like this and receive God's blessing. God, look at your children. They love you. Would you bless them and keep them, hold them fast with your love? Would you cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them? Would you lift up the light of your countenance? Would you turn your attention towards them when they cry out? And would you save and rescue? And God, would you give them your peace? We ask in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Live in God's grace.